Well, how's everybody doing tonight? Good? I just want to thank you for all of your prayers and any kind of support that you gave. Um, for We just got back about a week ago from Israel, and it was a missions trip. Uh, we did a few days of sightseeing, but seven or eight of the days was a, a missions trip where we reached out to the kids in Palestine with the gospel, and we saw 30 to 40 uh, professions of faith among those kids. So it was awesome. And I'll uh, touch upon some of the things in the message tonight. But I want to start out with this fellow named John Krakauer, who was an author and a mountain climber, and he was determined to reach the roof of the world, the peak of Mount Everest. In an arduous ascent that killed some of his fellow climbers, he persevered. And on May 10, 1996, he reached the summit. I understood on some dim, detached level that the sweep of the earth beneath my feet was a spectacular sight, wrote Krakenkauer at that moment. I've been fantasizing about this moment and the release of emotion that would accompany it for many months. But now that I was finally here, standing on the summit of Mount Everest, I just couldn't summon the energy to care. Temporary goals. Here was a man who lost some of his friends in climbing Mount Everest. And in the expectation of getting to the summit, when he got there, the feeling that he thought he was going to have, he didn't. And how often in our lives, some of the things that we strive for, when we attain them, we find out they were just empty or it just vanished. You know, the momentary pleasure was gone. In 2 Peter 3.18, it says, To grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the title of tonight's message is to keep growing. And it's an encouraging message for you and for me. Because one of the things that we're called to do by the Lord is to keep growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Keep reaching for the top. If you remember when you were little, or you remember when you had young children, or maybe you have young children now, and they couldn't reach the countertop. You could put the cookies there or snacks, and they couldn't reach them. They could get up on their tippy toes, and they still couldn't reach them. But as they grew, you had to find alternative ways to hide the goodies from them because they were big enough to reach. Well, regardless of our age, God wants us to keep growing. Physically, we all know we're aging, but spiritually we want to keep maturing and aging until we come into that full presence of Jesus one day face to face where we really know Him as He is. But until that takes place, it's a journey. And it should be a continual journey, shouldn't it? It should be something that we're always reaching for, always going for as we walk in the Spirit. James 4.8 says to draw near to God and He will draw near to you. And this is a promise that God gives us. And the question I need to ask myself, and I'd like you to ask yourself, is 
How are you doing with your drawing near to God? How is it going? Do you see yourself growing? Do you see yourself drawing nearer to the Lord? Grace. It was so cool tonight. All the songs that Dave chose to sing. There's so many things that are referenced in the message tonight. And one of the songs came out with God's grace over and over again. Just the beauty of His grace. And the acronym that I think we've all heard before is God's Riches at Christ's Expense. Grace. God's Riches at Christ's Expense. To grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One of the great things that we have is knowing that God's grace is abundant. It's just thrown out there on us every day, 24-7. It's available to us all the time. And are we growing in that grace? Are we taking advantage of the grace that God has given us? In 2 Thessalonians 1.3 it says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. And again, I have to ask myself that question. Is my faith growing exceedingly? Or is it staying status quo? Or do I really see my faith growing? And we know that faith comes by hearing, and hearing God's Word. So here we are gathered tonight as a body, hearing God's Word, and we have His promise that our faith will grow as a result of us taking time out in our day to listen to His Word, to take it, to receive it in. And the other great promise is that when His Word goes forth, it can't return void. It's not going to return void. So there's something that's going to take place as a result of His Word being preached. The other thing is, one of the check marks we have, as we're going to see a little later, is how is your love towards one another? Is it abounding? Or do you see it sliding? Is it staying the same? Or do you find your love for one another in the body of Christ? Is it growing? Is it getting stronger? Do you feel more sensitivity towards people and their needs? Well, all of it comes as a result of growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we want to look at that tonight a little bit in detail. In 1 Peter 2.2, it says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. So as we desire the pure milk of the Word, the unadulterated Word of God, where we're just looking at it, we're trying to get as much as we can from it, that we're just going to grow as a result of the time that we put in. We need to read His Word. We need to listen to His Word. We need to chew on His Word. We need to digest His Word. And we need to do it again. And we need to do it again and do it again and just keep going. For our text tonight, I'd like you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 2 through 12. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 12. 
Now, what I gave you tonight is a little study sheet. It was a little, if you take notes, you can take them right on there. And I left some blanks out as we go along. If you see the answer, just pop it in. And I do this sometimes with my teams, and it helps them remember a little more. So I'm just trying a, a different tool to help get God's Word in your heart and in your head. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 12, starting with verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. We see this the Siamese twins a lot, don't we, in the New Testament, grace and peace? Usually always together. And notice what it says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Not just given to you, but multiplied. You know, I give you two apples. I give you four pieces of an orange. I give you eight pieces of a watermelon. I give you 16 pieces of another food. Boy, it's multiplying. You're not just getting one. You're getting a lot. And God just wants to multiply His grace and His peace to us. But notice what it's in reference to. To the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As we get to know God, we gain these essentials for living. As we get to know God, we gain the essentials for living. Knowledge is multiplied as we keep growing. The more we grow in knowledge, the more we experience His divine power. This power allows us to live the life that God calls us to live. Because we know we're new creatures in Christ. I'd like you to hold your place there and turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7. Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 7. What I'd like you to do, we're going to look at verses 7 to 17, but what I will ask you to do with me is read along with me those verses. Starting with verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, 
I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. You and I grow through reading His Word. We grow through praying and we grow in, by being in fellowship with one another. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. The knowledge of Him. His glory, His virtue. You know, as we study the nature of God, Gail Irwin, I think, was just at some of the local churches in the area. I know he was down at uh, my brother's church down in Point Pleasant. And we know Gail Irwin, most of us, in the book, um, The Father Style, Jesus Style, and the Holy Spirit Style. He gives us a tremendous, tremendous glimpse of the nature and the character of God. As we grow in the nature of God and the knowledge of Him, we're totally changed, you and I. We're growing more mature in the Lord as we see Jesus for who He really is. The purity mentioned, or the virtue, I'm sorry, in verse 3, another name for virtue is purity. As we get to know God's glory and His virtue, His purity, that motivates us. That draws us closer to Him, doesn't it? As we see His beauty and, and just, just recognize His holiness, we're just drawn closer to Him. One of the things in verse 3 that I love is the last uh, sentence. He called us. He's calling you. He's calling me. He knows you by name. You're unique in who He made you to be. And He's calling you to increase in your knowledge of Him. That's a tremendous encouragement to me and hopefully also to you. Think of the areas in your life that, are, that you're struggling with. Think of maybe sins that you're having a hard time with. And understand that Jesus is purging us from those sins. As we get to know Him and He cleans our act up, we're growing in Him. But think of that word purge. In John 15, 2 and 3, it says, Every branch in me 
that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now think about that for a second, the pruning part. It says here that every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So, are you in a position tonight where, boy, you feel you've been walking with the Lord, everything's, you know, right on between you and Jesus, but there's something in your life that you're struggling with. Maybe it's not a sin. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a family problem. Um, the stresses of life. Whatever you're going through, think of that where you might have been saying, well, you know, I've been walking with the Lord. I've been praying. I've been reading the Word. I'm fellowshipping with believers. But boy, there's, there's this struggle going on in my life right now. Well, understand, according to God's Word, that could be the very thing that He's using to prune where you are so more fruit is going to be um, produced through you. So I want to encourage you in that. If you're having a hard time with something, it could be the pruning process that you're going through. One of the promises that we have, let's just jump down to verse 4, by which He has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God has given us great and precious promises. Do we cling to those? Do we repeat those in our lives? Do we meditate on those? Do we chew on those? One of, some of the promises we've already gone through, but one of the things that is awesome to understand is that God's glory and His virtual, uh, virtue are reliable. They're reliable. In other words, He cannot go against His own nature. He is who He says He is. And one of the great things in Psalm 138.2, it says that God has magnified His Word above His name. So He can't go against who He is. He can't go against His Word. If He says He's pruning you, take courage and take uh, encouragement in knowing that no matter what you're going through, God is working in your life for you to continue to bear fruit. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Are you a condemner of yourself? Are you someone who is your own worst enemy? Are you the one maybe that's in the way of God growing you and producing more fruit in you because you're living in B.C. days, before Christ days, before Jesus came into your life and made you a new creature in Him? Like that man who was climbing Mount Everest, are you expecting something beyond the very thing that God's trying to show you today? How many times as we get older is the journey sweeter than the final culmination of what we were going for? 
you look back and you think of the days when your family was growing up or you were young in your marriage or whatever it is, and you see that, boy, looking back, it was those days, day in and day out, even though there were struggles. Boy, that was some of the best times of my life when I was going through the day-to-day thing. When I got the final thing I wanted, boy, it was like that guy in the mountain. It was like vapor. It was gone. So I want to encourage you to live in the promises of God today. Be in His Word today because that is the manna He's given you today. For today. Tomorrow is a new revelation from the Lord. But if you're not spending that time in God's Word, you're eating old manna. And remember the Israelites in the desert with that old manna. It was rotten. There were worms in it. You want something fresh from the Lord all the time. And because of His grace, He wants to continually do that in your life and in my life. Also in Romans 8, verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. You're free now. You're no longer under the law. You're being guided by His Holy Spirit. So don't be caught up in that self-condemnation but move on in God's Holy Spirit so you can be everything that God wants you to be. Galatians 4, 5 and 7 says we're adopted as sons. You know, God's Holy Spirit is in our hearts. He's our dad now. We are heirs with Jesus. We've inherited so many things. And these are all part of the promises of God. You're His daughter. You're His son. We're heirs with Jesus Christ. Those are things that should be things that just motivate us to keep reaching and going forward and not looking back. The Christian journey is a continual progression towards the divine nature. We won't know Jesus fully till we see Him face to face. But when we reach a plateau, spiritually speaking, we don't want to stop climbing We want to keep going after what the Lord is showing us through His Word. Now, sometimes it may seem you're going down. But that does not mean you're not going forward. And I want to give you an illustration from the trip that uh, Ashley and I were on a couple weeks ago. When we first got to Israel, we met up with a team of about seven or eight other people. The team grew to about 16, but initially we were with a group of 8 to 10 people for about 3 or 4 days. So the leader of the trip, what he did is on our first full day there, he took us to a place called Black Mountain, which is in Israel. And it was a beautiful place, but it was a mountain range. And we went on a 6-hour hike. And during that 6 hours, we hiked. We climbed up mountains. We climbed down mountains. We repelled. And I don't know if you've ever repelled. I never did until this trip. But as repelling is when you're in a harness and you um, have the ropes and they nail it into a rock and you're going down the side of a mountain. And I'll tell you, you want to talk about trust and faith. There was a lot of trust and faith building on this trip. And I'm telling you right now, when you talk about a mountain, I'm talking about a side of a mountain, and there was a couple with waterfalls that we repelled down. So, 
there's a whole object lesson on just repelling. But one of the places we came to after hiking for about an hour and a half was we came up this mountain and I see everybody in front of me going over and they were getting hooked up and they were going to repel down the side of the mountain. But you've got to understand, I had no clue what it looked like because I'm looking up and all I'm seeing are the backsides of people going up and over and then we're just waiting. We're just waiting for the next group, they went up in pairs, to get up on the ledge with the guides to repel down. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When I got up to the top and I looked, that queasy butterfly feeling in your stomach when I saw where we were going was very unnerving. But you know what was very calming? Is when I saw some of our team that had already made it down to the bottom. It was very encouraging to know that there were others who had gone before me. Well, as Christians, there's nothing in the Scriptures uh, that we cannot find that is unique. In other words, all of mankind goes through struggles, whether it be with life situations or with sin. And as we get in God's Word and we become familiar with the characters of the Bible, as you know, most of you, there's so much that we can relate to with the people in the Scriptures. They've gone before us. They've, they've shown us they've made it through the trials, the tribulations that are mankind's plot that we go through. So, as we're repelling, there were parts of the mountain that we went down in order to move forward. There might be something that you're going through right now that seems like you're being set back or you're going down from moving up with the Lord. I want to encourage you. You might just be repelling down a mountain in order to move forward spiritually, if that makes sense to you. Because we had a hike. We were going on this six-hour hike. We were moving forward. We went up. We went down. We were moving forward all the time. Okay, but it wasn't always easy. There was always a test there. There was something that was challenging us. And this really brought our group closer together. There was an ice breaking. There was a bonding of this team. And it was a great way the leader did this. And throughout the rest of the trip, everything else was easy. Once we started doing camps and stuff, there was nothing that was as tough as the, the mountain climb and the repelling. Can you look back a year ago and say, you know, I really see that I've grown spiritually from where I've come from a year ago, last summer at this time. Can you see that you've grown more in the Lord from a week ago, from three days ago? It's something that we should always be checking. How is our maturity? Let's go back into 2 Peter Verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. For this very reason, giving all diligence. You know, diligence is a steady, earnest and energetic effort. Diligence is steady, earnest and energetic effort. 
You know, I was pretty diligent when I was repelling. You know why? I didn't want to fall. I wanted to make it to my destination. Well, the Lord tells us in His Word to be diligent. To be steady. To be earnest and energetic in our efforts. I apply that towards reading God's Word. Towards praying. To being with believers. To be diligent in what God tells me to be diligent in. I expect, like when I was repelling, I was expecting to get down to the bottom. When I was climbing a hill or a mountain, I was expecting to get finally to the finish line. And it was an accomplishment to finish. But as I tell you this, the best part of the whole thing was the journey all the way through. You know, we would come to a cliff and we would jump from here to where Pastor Joe is in the back. We would jump. 30, 40, 50 feet into this beautiful pond or a lake of water that had no depth that the guides knew about. But we had to jump to continue our journey. You couldn't take a cable car. You couldn't go down on an elevator. There was no way to repel. You had to jump. And then we continued our hike. So it was a wild trip. It was an amazing thing. And we were warned about it before. You didn't have to sign up for this, so it wasn't a mandatory thing. There were some people that stayed back at the hotel. But for those of us who went, it was a journey, something that we'll always remember. In verse 6 and 7, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Now, in this scripture, God is telling us to be diligent. And the things that I just read in verses 6 and 7, a lot of those are the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. A lot of those things are the things that are produced by God's Holy Spirit in us. It's not something we strive to do. And I don't want you to get the wrong impression that you have to strive to do these things. However, there is a diligence on our part to sit and read God's Word. God's not just going to pour out the fruits of the Spirit on us unless we have a heart to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Him. Knowledge is no secret. We're going to get that knowledge by spending time with God. By understanding and reading His Word. That is crucial. By praying to Him. By fellowshipping with like believers. The result of that will be the fruit produced in our lives. That we read about here in verses uh, 6, 7. And uh, parts of the other scripture that we're looking at. Self-control. Of the word self-control, the Greek scholar Kenneth Weiss says that the Greeks use this word self-control to describe someone who is not ruled by the desire for sex. Saying that again, that this word self-control to describe someone who is not ruled by the desire for sex. Now notice it doesn't say 
not to have a desire for sex. Okay? We don't want to chase anybody away. But to be ruled for the desire, by the desire for sex, the ruling of it. And we just have to look in our society and through the world for how sex is out of control in the magazine stores, in the movies, on TV, everywhere on the Internet. You know, it's just crazy. It's a raging fire that's just consuming lives. In verses 8 and 9, in verse 8 and 9, For these things are yours, and abound, you will be neither barren nor fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For if these things are yours, you will not be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what things? Well, the things that we looked at as being the fruit of the Spirit. That's our gauge. That's our spirit gauge. How are we in those things? How are we with our self-control, our perseverance, our godliness, our brotherly kindness, our love? Those are indicators, aren't they, where we are in our walk with the Holy Spirit. If you see a deficiency in those areas, it's probably a result of your lack of time that you're spending in God's Word. All you need to do to change that is get into God's Word. Seek Him daily. Be diligent in the time that you're with Him. Notice what happens to these people, that if they're barren and unfruitful, there's nothing going on. There's nothing taking place. It's dry. It's desert land. Your knowledge of Jesus is not increasing. And that's something that He encourages us to do, that we're increasing in the grace of and the knowledge. How about the abounding part? So you may feel good that these qualities are seen in you from time to time, but notice what Peter says here. To abound. And Peter emphasizes that. They should abound in us. You and I don't realize our own condition, but we need a guide or a helper. Like I didn't know the position that I was going to be in in that hike. My guide did, and he was taking us through that, and he did it exceptionally well, as I'm standing here whole today in front of you. But if he wasn't a good guide, who knows what would take place? Well, we have a great guide. We have a helper all the way through, the Holy Spirit, who's been given us. You know, that's the stamp that God has given us, the Holy Spirit. And He's guiding and helping us through our life's climbs and our repelling experiences to keep us moving forward to the high calling of God in Jesus Christ, which is an awesome, awesome thing. Verses 10 uh, to 12. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. We looked at the mountain climber where his temporary goals were never fully satisfied. But you know, we can look at a person like Paul and we found out that he knew the true reason for life. And in Philippians 3.14... And we had read this before. 
that he pressed towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And it is the goal mentioned in verse 12, for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And in verse 21, he will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. He's doing the work, but we need to be diligent in spending time with him. We've got to get to know him better, and then we will see as a result of our relationship with him those very things that he wants to produce in our life. We'll be transformed by the renewing of our mind and just being connected to Jesus where we're saying, hey, I would have never done this before. I know it's a God thing. It's not of anything. This is a God thing because I know how I would have handled this situation. And we see things throughout our life that, boy, we see that God's hand is really in changing us from the inside out. And if we do these things, we're not going to stumble. How often have we stumbled? How about often have we tripped up? But I want to encourage you tonight. Let's spend more time in God's Word. We're going to stumble less. Let's pray more. We're going to stumble less. Let's fellowship with each other more. You know, we're going to stumble less. We need to encourage one another more. We all need encouragement. There's nobody who doesn't need encouragement. We all need it. It, all, it always feels good when somebody is encouraging someone else. Does it always appear what it seems? Well, when I was climbing the mountain, it didn't appear what it seemed. And when I didn't see over the edge of the mountain, as we were getting to the place where we were going to jump down or repel down the side of the mountain, it didn't seem until I saw what was there. The appearance was different. It might have seemed too hard at times. It might have seemed too easy at times. But as it wasn't until I was experiencing it that I actually knew what it really felt like. God wants us to grow in the knowledge of Him so we can experience Him. So we really are understanding the in-depth knowledge of Jesus Christ. To get to know Him as a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I want to finish with a couple stories. Uh, One you might have heard before, and one is directly related to me on the trip. Two men, both seriously ill, occupied the same hospital room. One man was allowed to sit up in his bed for an hour each afternoon to help drain the fluid from his lungs. His bed was next to the room's only window. The other man had to spend all his time flat on his back. The men talked for hours on end. They spoke of their wives and their families, their homes, their jobs, their involvement in the military service where they had been on vacation. And every afternoon when the man in the bed by the window could sit up, he would pass the time by describing to his roommate all the things he could see outside the window. The man in the other bed began to live for those one-hour periods where his world would be broadened and enlivened by all the activity and color of the world outside. 
The window overlooked a park with a lovely lake. Ducks and swans played on the water while children sailed their model boats. Young lovers walked arm in arm amidst flowers of every color of the rainbow. Grand old trees graced the landscape, and a fine view of the city skyline could be seen in the distance. As the man by the window described all this in exquisite detail, the man on the other side of the room would close his eyes and imagine the picturesque scene. One warm afternoon, the man by the window described a parade passing by. Although the other man couldn't hear the band, he could see it in his mind's eye as a gentleman by the window portrayed it with descriptive words. Days and weeks passed. One morning, the day nurse arrived to bring water for their baths only to find the lifeless body of the man by the window who had died peacefully in his sleep. She was saddened and called the hospital attendants to take the body away. As soon as it seemed appropriate, the other man asked if he could move uh, next to the window. The nurse was happy to make the switch, and after making sure he was comfortable, she left him alone. Slowly, painfully, he propped himself up on one elbow to take his first look at the world outside. Finally, he would have the joy of seeing it for himself. He strained to slowly turn to look out the window beside the bed. It faced a blank wall. The man asked the nurse what could have compelled his deceased roommate who had described such wonderful things outside this window. The nurse responded that the man was blind and could not even see the wall. She said, perhaps he just wanted to encourage you. As we spend time with God, as we are transformed more into His image, we will see things that happen in our life that are unusual to us, that we know without a shadow of a doubt that it was a God thing. I'd like to share with you um, something that happened to me as I close on the trip. It was in the first few days of our trip. We did two or three days of sightseeing, followed by the actual ministry, as I think I had mentioned. But our tour guide for the first two or three days was a Palestinian Christian. As soon as I heard the word Palestine or Palestinian, a wall went up in front of me. Because I think of right away a guy like Arafat and the Hamas and the Al-Qaeda and all the stuff that's going on over in Israel. We went to the garden tomb, had communion there. And at the end of the communion, the leader of the trip said, is there anyone who'd like to share anything? And God had impressed it on my heart to stand up in our group of about 15 by this point. And I turned and right behind me was the Palestinian uh, tour guide. And I just addressed him by name, and I said, I just want to apologize to you for the animosity and feelings of hatred I've had towards the Palestinian people without even knowing you. By just what I've read or heard or felt emotionally through all the conflict through the years, Previous to this time, 
I had said to one of the, there was a medical team on the trip that did outreaches to refugees and different needy people in Israel while we were doing the basketball camps. And I said, hey, Doc, I'm having a hard time um, with being here in Palestine, ministering to the people here. I said, I keep thinking of the scriptures, how God has given the Jewish people the land. And all this, uh, uh, you know, about talk about splitting Jerusalem, half of the Palestinian, half to the uh, Israeli people. It's just not sitting right. And he goes, but Vin, you've got to remember that the Bible also says that uh, he addressed the Jewish people and says, when you are in your land and there are aliens in the land, I want you to treat them as you would want to have been treated when you were aliens in a foreign land. And boy, that just hit me. You know, just the love of God, the grace of God to just love the people regardless of who they were. And seeing a lot of Muslims, ladies in full garb and in Palestine, and seeing Palestinian Christians and Catholics and just the regular people, it was an eye-opener for me. There was a wall that broke down in my spirit, even though there was a literal wall separating Palestine from Israel that we drove by, that we had to go through checkpoints to go through. But there was a checkpoint in my heart that God really dealt with me. And I believe that's as a result of getting into His Word. I know that was a God thing for me to stand up and apologize to this one Palestinian for the way I felt towards all Palestinians. Afterwards, about 10-15 minutes later, he came up to me and really thanked me for sharing that with him because of all the feelings that he gets with different tour groups that come through there with this Jewish and this Palestinian thing. So when God tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, pray for those Palestinians who have a heart for the Lord. Pray for those Jewish people who are lost as well as the Palestinians because there are some nice people over there that are seeking God just like you and I seek him here. Last thing, we went to Jericho, mainly a Muslim-controlled uh, town. But we went to a Bible study that was Muslim women, some in the full garb, that they were getting up early in the morning, like at 8 o'clock, when most of the town gets up around 10 or 11, because they go to bed so late, because it's so hot during the day, so they sleep a little later than we do. So these women, about 15 or 20 of them, were coming to the Jesus prayer house, and they were born-again believers having a Bible study right in Jericho. And then they would go back home before the town woke up. These ladies, are, could be un, they could be dead today, for all we know, because of their step of faith in going after the living God. So there's a lot of neat things that God's doing over there, regardless of the religious background of the people. So I just want to encourage you, that as we move closer and closer to meeting Jesus face to face, that we just keep growing in the grace and knowledge of him and spend time with him so that we will see the evidence in our lives and know that, hey, it's not a Jack thing or a Bobby thing or a Joe thing or a Vinny thing. It's a God thing. God is doing it, and we can give him all the praise and glory that he deserves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your work.